Hello, Creekers, and welcome to another episode of Down by the Creek. I am Alvin Williams, your shepherd through all things Capeside. Uh, I'm very excited about this episode. This is a very nice test for myself, and, and I very much look forward to it. I hope you guys enjoy it. I am riding solo, like the uh, world-famous poet Jason Derulo says. I'm riding solo for this episode, uh, episode 12, Beauty Pageant. Um, this was... <laughs> Of all the episodes to choose to ride solo for, I just um I don't I don't know I don't know what fortune I chose to fall upon me for probably and I say this it's so strange because this is not the most like action packed or you know volatile episode, but this is for sure the most problematic <laughs> episode of the season by far. Some of the things that people say in this episode, I'm like, you cannot, uh, you can't say that anymore. <laughs> so th this is a really an encapsulation of the 90s. And, you know, it was an interesting choice to, to choose to do by myself. But um, I don't know if I've told people this. I recently came back from a trip and I learned from a Dawson's Creek expert. This is going to sound dumb. I don't know if people are going to, you know, hey. I put it all on Front Street. I've told you guys from the start, I'm a novice creaker. I don't, I've never watched the show before. I did not know. I was under the impression <laughs> that every season of Dawson's Creek was 13 episodes. I know, I know, I know. Everybody, put, put your tongue back in your mouth. Put your, take your gasp back. I thought every season was 13 episodes. I've been informed and have looked on to see that every episode except the, every season except the first season is 20 plus episodes. So this is a test run for me because realistically, I'm not going to be able to rely on 20 plus guests watching the show every season of the show. So I need to be able to go, okay, well, I'm going to do this one by myself. So this is the test run for me to be able to see, hey, can you talk about this show with nobody else but yourself? And I think that I am capable of that. But only uh, today will Today will be the true test of that. But without any further ado, uh, you know, we can go ahead and play it for half a second. My guest this creek. A fool, some might say, for choosing such a mountain of teen drama to climb. But it is what it is, right? Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for Mr. Alvin Williams. Thank you guys very much. Let's get right into things, shall we? Uh, episode 12, Beauty Contest. This episode premiered on May 12th, 1998. It was directed by Arvin Brown and written by Dana Barada. This episode opens up. <laughs> we open up on Dawson laying in bed, you know, just what he does. It's really at this point, it's just we know we know what to expect from Dawson at this point. He's going to be in a bed watching something kind of reluctantly and, and thinking to himself, man, I could do this better than whoever directed this. But he's laying in bed watching bugs have sex. Female mating preferences vary widely among the different insect species. Ew, what are you watching? Especially I taped on entomological sexual behavior. <laughs> it's a little visual aid from my biology term paper. One thing about uh, Dawson that I really do appreciate it, you know, it, uh, maybe other people won't, I don't know. Uh, he really does not give a fuck about who's around or who. He's not much of a host. Dawson's like, uh, I'm editing my movie, so that's what I'll be doing. You can, Joey, you can sit here and watch me do that. I'm watching this um, documentary about bug sex and for for a biology project or whatever he said about reproduction. And so, 
I don't know, do your homework or something. I'm I'm busy. I'm I'm doing this. So he doesn't there's no chips laid out. There's no there's no spread, no dips, you know. He doesn't have music playing for ambiance. He is just Dawson 24/7 because when you're that perfect, what else would you try to be? Anyway, Joey, knowing that she can't escape whatever thing Dawson's fixated on, which at this time seems to be the bugs, the conversation leads into some back and forth, uh, you know, typical Dawson's creaky and long-winded conversation about animal instincts versus what society says you should be attracted to. And it's all, uh, you know, undertone of I like you, but you don't like me because I'm not the traditional standard of beauty which again we'll get to it of course but this this is such a boring trope you know this this is such a boring trope katie holmes is five nine long neck pretty girl jen does nothing to her in this show she doesn't do anything to her all she is is in a dress and has eyeshadow on. And all of a sudden, the whole town is aghast. You know what I mean? Like, No one can believe that Josephine Potter, that lesbian girl that takes everyone's orders down at the ice house, is all of a sudden this feminine girl with an updo. It's like, give me a break, man. Like, they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. She looks better than every girl that was in the beauty pageant. You know, the girl who was like the snooty girl, she's she's a she's a movie and television star. She has an amazing face and everyone just is like, whoa, where did this come from? It just is so the she's all that the glasses and the overalls come off and then all of a sudden you're a bombshell. I'm over it. And and I know it's 20 years past and, you know, this was probably more of a thing in the 90s and understandable. And I'm sure a lot of girls probably related to Katie Holmes character. I understand all that. What I'm saying is she's a beautiful girl and it was really just annoying for that people are. Oh, this is the episode where everybody kind of realizes that now she owns it. Don't get me wrong. Katie Holmes, Joey, she owns that in this episode. She's fantastic in that role in this episode. But I mean, she I mean, she had that backless dress on. Her back was all toned. She looked gorgeous. She, you know, she, <laughs> what are we what are we doing here? You know, also, uh, just just to let everybody know, uh, I did request some help from people to, you know, send in emails if they have any observations or anything like that. Uh, you know, so I'll be probably dropping those. I'll either be dropping, I'll be dropping those in periodically throughout the episode, periodically time. And at the end, I'll go over any ones that I didn't hit just to give those people a shout out. My two main sources of help were, are my wonderful now friend. I feel, you know, we had such a wonderful time. I feel like a friend was made, uh, Paul from the, that age well podcast who was my guest last Creek. Uh, he sent in a list of things that he observed, you know, so it's almost like he's a guest twice over uh, two times in a row. And a wonderful listener named Raylene, who sent me a, a list of all kinds of things that she appreciated. She thought that it was awesome that Eve six was in the opening scene after the credits. Paul also enjoyed that uh, <laughs> on the run by Jan Arden kind of bled. It kind of bled into the end of the opening credit scene. So it like started a little earlier than it usually starts. And he really likes that song. So he was really excited (laughs) that he got to hear it a little earlier. And it kind of scored the episode, the scored the scene a little bit towards the end. But anyway, after the opening credits, we open up at the ice house. Uh, Joey is cleaning up tables and things like that. And I guess the tourist season has now come to an end. So, 
you know, the the work has dried up. I've had some discussions with people who, you know, because of my theory about who owns the ice house, which I've been told, hey, it's not your theory's wrong, man. The family owns it. Get over it. Just shut up. But there was some discussion about, hey, I'm from Massachusetts. The Actually, the Ice House is the most accurate thing about Dawson's Creek because they are these kind of touristy businesses in the Massachusetts and, you know, dock areas and, you know, uh, coastal regions where boat people come in. And when that dries up, the businesses really dry up. So that's what Joey's going through right now. And um, Dawson's bringing up that he's going to be filming the beauty pageant that's in town at this yacht club and all this snooty talk. Well, so what are these Windjammer days? It's this yearly event the yacht club holds, a little pageant. They try and reel in the last remaining tourists before the town really shuts down for the season. It's a blue-blooded tradition which celebrates the grand achievement of being born rich, a combination of which is this asinine formal dinner held at the yacht club where some young nubile whose daddy owns the bank is crowned Miss Windjammer. It's the most archaic display of ageism, racism, and sexism on the man. Do they have a swimsuit competition? I don't think so. You know, maybe I could be like one of those guys who warms up the girls before they go on stage. <laughs> it's not a porno, Pacey. You know, my mother used to enter me in these, in these disgusting little miss pageants before I was old enough to protest. <laughs> Let me guess, you twirled the baton. Meaning? Nothing. You should enter. Yeah. No, I mean, serious. I mean, I mean, you're beautiful. I mean, nobody can dispute that. So Dawson really comes in hot on Jen, talking about her baton twirling and kind of laughing at her, which he does a lot in this entire episode. I mean, he does it every episode. He's very pretentious. He's a, he's an asshole, guys, and a serial killer, if I haven't said that already. Um, and uh, Jen gets up and is like, well, I'm not going to sit here and be fucking berated by this dude in this two-tone sweater. So she gets up and walks away, and, you know, he continues to talk to Pacey about this blue-blooded event for you know the uh, cape sides elite uh jen goes over to talk to joey because she thinks hey listen i'm super over dawson as i've told him several times i don't even know why i'm still talking to him but you know we're a foursome for some reason even though i'm new here and i have no allegiance to anybody and none of you guys even really treat me that well so i don't know why i wouldn't just go get some new friends but anyway joey hey um, Dawson's out of the picture now, so I think, I feel like we could become friends now, like really friends, because that old, you know, uh, elephant is out of the way. Also, early shout out to Pacey, because Pacey immediately calls Dawson out for being a dick to, to, to Jen, with, for no reason, really. And Dawson says one of the more fuckboy, this is the fuckboy line of the week right here. I mean, this is, uh, pretty amazing. What Dawson says is, Why don't you just get over it, man? She has. I think I have gotten over it. I just, I don't know, winning her back has evolved into some sort of bizarre hobby. What kind of twisted games, the twisted games of this boy, man. That is a sick, that's a sick guy, man. That's a sick dude. I've never heard of some shit like that. Like, I don't really like her anymore either, but I'm bored. So I'm going to try to neg her and emotionally manipulate her for funsies, basically. So anyway, like I said, Jen and Joey are now talking to each other. Uh, and Joey's kind of remarking on some things I've already addressed about the town drying up and how she's not going to be able to afford to get out of this godforsaken town because she fucking hates Cape Side. And Jen's giving her, giving her some encouraging words, but Joey's not really trying to hear that. But after some talking about scholarship potentials and 
you know, really wanting to give their friendship a try and how Jen's saying, you know, I'm, I'm being genuine. I'm really trying. You know, Joey relents and she's like, okay, we can hang out. Which, let me also just say this. I don't, and Paul also remarked on this. is like, why the hell is she trying so hard to be Joey's friend? She must really see something beneath the surface. But, you know, I understand Joey's got her walls up, everything like that. I like Joey as a character. But if I was the person who was on the receiving end of her snarly looks and, you know, eye rolls and little quippy, quippy comments, I'd be like, well, fuck you. Like, there's other girls in this town. But I think the premise is everyone in this town of Capeside, Massachusetts is so fake. It's like Hollywood, Capeside. It's like Tinseltown. Everybody's, uh, you know, elite and or is it? I don't really know. <laughs> it's hard for me to kind of pin down the theme of this town. But I think the premise is supposed to be Joey's the only other genuine real girl in town. It's her and Jen and it only makes sense for them to be friends because they're just two of the realest people in town. But they have this wedge driven between them by this handsome, brilliant director pro prodigy, Dawson Leary. But as I said, Joey finally relents and agrees to hang out with her as long as they don't do any of that girly shit like paint nails and fucking wear pajamas and whatever other stuff girls do when they're at sleepovers. Back at Capeside, we cut to Pacey. Just going ham on his locker. I mean, he's throwing shit everywhere. He's fucking, he's all disheveled and doesn't know what's going on because he's looking for a pen. He's dropping stuff all over the floor. Dawson comes up. And of course it's Dawson. Oh, hey, man, found your pen immediately because not only am I a genius director and uh, a ladies man, I also have hawk-like vision and can spot anything within three seconds of being told what it is that you're looking for. So he finds the pen, gives it back to Pacey. And this is when Pacey reveals that, you know, my dad is just continues to be a big piece of shit he's threatening me he's telling me i'm a loser my brother's better than me i spent, just spent the entire morning with my father telling me what a scholastically inept athletically challenged underachieving loser i am i'm fine he said that yeah first he starts in on the failing biology thing and then he goes straight into the skipping school to do providence thing forgot the stealing his car thing borrowing steal it look it's not like i killed anybody all right and if i have to hear the words why can't you be more like your brother doug one more time my head is going to explode I really am looking forward to meeting Pacey's father, by the way. I mean, I don't know who the actor's going to be, but I have, I have expectations that it's going to be a great guest star. I don't have any names to give out, but I have expectations that I'm going to be like, oh, I love that guy. I really do. I really i am looking forward to it. Hope, I hope that I'm right about that. But anyway, uh, as, as Pacey's telling Dawson about how messed up his, life, his home life situation is, Pacey proceeds to pull out his, this paper that <laughs> he reveals to Dawson, I'm looking for a place to stay at 15 years old. And the rent is $250. Now, listen, I know inflation's a son of a bitch, right? I know, you know times have changed. But in 1998, okay, okay we're also in Cape Side, Massachusetts. $250 a month is, sounds like a dream. Man, now for a 15-year-old, it sounds like impossible, but for an adult, that's what, I mean, they also, uh, they also, Pacey has a, a you know, uh, Dawson has a joke about the building that he's looking at is like the only tenement building in Capeside. So it's kind of like a, a boarding house type of situation. Not exactly the best, but it must be, that's how bad Pacey's home life must be, that he's looking into living in a rat-infested, roach-infested, as Dawson called it, room in a house. That isn't the best. During this conversation, Pacey kind of, 
you know, makes a joke about the $5,000 prize that I hadn't mentioned yet for winning the beauty pageant contest, whatever, at the yacht club that Dawson is filming for. You don't need an assistant for that beauty pageant thing, do you? <laughs> I'm not even getting paid. That's, the only person making any money off this is little Miss Windjammer herself. Maybe I'll just toss my tiara into the ring. You know, a $5,000 reward, that'd get me into one of those executive uh, bachelor pads downtown. Except I'm afraid your God-given ability to relieve yourself standing up has rendered you ineligible. Yeah, once again, sexual discrimination rears its ugly head. Wouldn't that just piss my dad off? <laughs> There's a lot of these little jokes that, again, they just kind of made me a little... Ugh. Oh, man, that's not OK. You know, uh, I'm not by any means a sensitive person, but when I'm watching stuff from a time capsule, I'm always playing the game of, can you say that now? And I said that to myself a lot in this episode. I said that to myself like more times than I could keep keep count of where I go, oh, you can't make that joke anymore. Oh, you can't say that word anymore. Oh, man. Uh, what? What did he say? You know, oh, man. And every it was everybody. It wasn't just one particular person. Everybody was just saying things. They were just letting, you know, the R word fly and just saying crazy things. I couldn't believe it. I was like, oh, my God, this is the 90s. From that exchange with, with Dawson and Pacey, we cut to the cafeteria where Joey and Jenner in line you know, getting their gruel from the school lunch, you know, but also it's Cape Side. So Cape Side High School probably has a pretty decent lunch menu, I would I would suspect, but I could be wrong. And Jen is complimenting Joey and Joey's not really taking compliments well, because again, this town has beaten this five foot 10 swan of a girl into thinking she's an ugly duckling. And I don't like it. I really don't like it. I understand that um, it's the show's kind of everybody, everybody has their place in a show, right? But when you when it's Katie Holmes, you're like, Man, this is just, you know, I, this is crazy. Like it was like she's, you know, she gets uncomfortable being complimented because she thinks that Jen's lying to her. She's so beaten down by this town, and you know, and it makes me think like, are people are they calling her ugly or are they just calling her a boy? You know, like I can't tell which one it is because um, in one of my favorite kids movies, the little the little giants, uh, Icebox is a girl who plays football, wears denim shorts, hangs out with the guys, burps, all that stuff. And then she meets Devin Sawa's character and, you know, she has a crush on him. And then those feminine ways start to creep out, but only in her own iceboxian type of way. She's never fully cheerleader or whatever, right? But I don't think she ever thought in the, in the movie Little Giants that she was ugly, it's different that it's different when people are like, oh, you are a tomboy. But I think that Joey just really has all around low self-esteem. And that's just so unfathomable to me because she's tall. Like supermodels are tall. Like I, I don't I don't I, I guess I guess in in the real world, there was a point in time and probably still I'd love to hear from any of my tall listeners. Any ladies listening to this five, eight and up, you know, especially from a young age, like if you were five, eight in the sixth grade. Message me. Tell me I'm wrong. I'd love to. I'd love to hear the the uh, the ups and downs and the woes of being a tall girl. I know that Netflix made that movie, Tall Girl, and uh, <laughs> about the plight of being a tall girl in high school. So I understand that there's a market and a demographic of people who can re relate to that. But she's not. Uh, <laughs> she she doesn't have gigantism. She's like five nine, you know. So it just is again. It's just. It's a hard for it's hard for me to see her just be 
so devoid of self-esteem, but it helps when we get to the last 30 minutes or, so, or last 15 minutes or so of the episode. So while they're in line, Jen starts pitching to Joey, hey, man, you should enter this beauty pageant. Seriously, you're gorgeous. When guys look at you, they think, wow, what a babe. And when they look at me, they think, hmm, gee, she's really tall. You know, I think that you should enter the Miss Winjammer pageant. What drugs are you on? No, come on, I'm serious. Look, I'll coach you. You could easily take that evening gown competition and the scholastic, the academic part to be a slam dunk for you, Joey. Let's not go overboard on this let's be friends female bonding thing, okay, Jen? Joey, come on, you might actually find that we have fun together. I wouldn't degrade myself. One night of your life, $5,000, Joey. I'd say that's a pretty respectable college nest egg, don't you think? From this scene, we actually cut to the beauty pageant registration booth where Pacey is... <laughs> this was actually pretty funny. Pacey is doing a... Uh, he's having his own little civil rights movement in front of the people who take the registration talking about what the rules are. These aren't the rules. You know, you guys, this is against, this isn't American, <laughs> a whole bunch of stuff. And of course, Dawson's right there because he now has a new angle on covering this beauty pageant about gender equality. And now I have a, now I have a real piece I can sink my teeth into. And while he's sinking his teeth and enjoying this, uh, this fight for gender identity recognition it was like i was watching the show and i was there were pieces within the episode where i'm like this is like this is like woke for 1998 right like and again i wish there was somebody here for me to bounce these ideas off of but it, like there were it was like for 1998 this feels like they're doing something it feels like they're being subversive and breaking down walls and talking about gender norms and it was like if like for now for 2021 you're like this is handled all kind of wrong and crazy and all all the other stuff that they say that's messed up in this episode but some of these points about uh about pacey being in the beauty contest i could see the thread of like this is a conversation that was ahead of its time for for 1998 and it wasn't just what I thought was going to happen was I thought that that Pacey was just going to be in a dress. I thought they were going to go for the hacky, boring, old, played out thing of here's the joke. Oh, a boy doing a girl thing. Put the boy in a dress. Boy Meets World's done it. Tons of movies have done it. It's been done to death. I, I'm tired of seeing it. We get it. You know? Yeah. Guys wearing girls clothes. Uh-huh. 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 Right. So I thought that's what this was going to be. And it actually turned into this really defiant. I'm not trying to pretend to be a girl. I just don't like that. You guys have this gender wall up and I'm trying to break it down as myself and how I identify. Again, it wasn't looking back. You're like, no, not for for 2021 standards. This isn't good enough. Right. You're, you're, and and it's not and the conversations being had poorly and a bunch of other stuff right but for the time it's like this is this is like this is this is different this is doing something different i felt like right so anyway after you know while all this is happening dawson looks over and he sees jen and joey and they're filling out some paperwork so dawson goes over and just a, a some you know with his own assumptions goes 
Ah, my uh, the way I shittily talked to you earlier in the episode, uh, I was right, huh? You're gonna come spin your baton and do some tap dancing and and, and enter the the beauty contest. And Jen goes, "No, I'm not doing that." And I, you know, and I'll let I'll leave you guys to it, basically, so that Joey setting up Joey to tell Dawson, "I'm entering the beauty pageant." Dawson proceeds to laugh hysterically in this poor, vulnerable unconfident girl's face and it was just so dickish man i mean really truly this is this is a very mean person dawson leary is a mean guy and he's the worst kind of mean guy because he's a mean guy who thinks he's a nice guy and you just don't get the joke i'm just messing with you i'm just messing is is his is always his face where it's like oh why are you confused about oh you're mad why are you mad? I, I'm joking around. Oh, oh, I get it. You're a dumb woman, so you don't know humor. Okay. Um, I am saying it's funny because nobody thinks that you're a girl. So that's why it's funny that you're in the beauty class. I'm not calling you ugly. I'm just saying nobody thinks you would do something like that. And, and I think it's weird that you think you should do something like that. Cause like, you're a boy. I mean, I mean, I mean, not a boy. You're a um, um, um a, an amorphous, uh, unidentified journal for me. So I don't even think about you as a sexual being or anything like that. That's what I mean. I'm not trying to call you ugly. I, that's what are you talking about? Un, unimaginably, she takes this in offense and tells Dawson about it. And when he when he says what he says. And I'm going to jump back to Raylene's quote because she was just as furious about this as I was. After all this laughing and, and trying to explain what he meant, he tells, you know, and he see, and then he finally sees that Joey actually takes offense to this. He goes, oh, Joey, I would never laugh at you. And <laughs> Raylene goes, bitch, you literally just did laugh at her. You've been laughing in her face this whole time she's been telling you that she's joining this beauty contest. So I don't understand... Uh, how this guy walks around thinking he's a nice guy. He really is not. Dawson's really not a good guy, guys. He's just really not. <laughs> so after this assholishness from Dawson, we actually cut inside of the, I guess this is like an auditorium or some kind of convention center where the Miss Windjammer pageant, that's what it's called. The Miss Windjammer pageant will be held. So I guess this is like an orientation. And Pacey's sitting in the room, you know, making his little jokes, looking around, being Pacey-ish. I thought Pacey was great in this episode. He was a fan. This is a fantastic uh, Pacey episode. Um, shout out to Katie and Kimberly from Date with Dateline. I should have had. I should have reached out to Kimberly just to see if she wanted to join in on this one because she didn't get much of a Pacey fix in the episode that me, her, and, and Katie did. But hey, man, I'm riding solo. Like I said, Jason Derulo style. Um, but this was a great Pacey episode. Pacey's in orientation, doing his, all the girls are like, I can't believe he's fucking here. This is so, what is this? What is this? Everything's a joke to him. And he's loving it, man, because I'm here for that five thou wow. And as it, you know, it's funny because the tone of this whole thing fluctuates, right? I thought it, I thought like, I thought it was a joke, but I thought it was like, it, I'm joking, but hey, if I was to win, that'd be cool. I thought that was the tone of Pacey, right? But as we learn throughout the whole, as the episode goes on, I think the whole time, even though he's just being charming Pacey and making jokes, I think the whole time he was always like, well, you know, I think I can win this $5,000, <laughs> even though I like had to make them change the rules. And I mean, I think the whole time he really thought he had a shot at winning the money. 
But anyway, during the orientation, in walks this Hannah girl with this black, you know, mock neck shirt with the blazer on, and she looks all professional. For half a second, I thought it was Rachel McAdams, but, and then I quickly was like, of course not. Um, they have this kind of tete-a-tete. It's a sexual tension, but like not because she's supposed to be, because Pacey's supposed to be a loser, which again, uh, uh, again, great Pacey episode. Pacey looks, he he's a handsome dude in this episode. I guess he looks good in all, all the episodes, but him in his tuxedo and walking on the stage, I'll just say it now, I'm gonna, I'll bring it up again. He looked like George Clooney. I know he has the George Clooney haircut and he doesn't look like George Clooney, but during his moment in the beauty pageant when he comes on the stage in the suit, I was like, that dude looks like George Clooney. Then he's up there telling jokes. He's just a charming dude. But what him and the girl Hannah have can't be sexual tension because Pacey's supposed to be a loser. But that's just what it is, though. Their dynamic is that of a tense sexual relationship. But it's supposed to be more like him and Nelly. But it doesn't play off that well, play off that way. They there's a thing there. They might have dated even, I would say. I think that I read somewhere that Katie Holmes and Joshua Jackson dated for the first two seasons of the show, so that's probably not true. But there's something there's something there, I felt. During this conversation, Pacey again, he makes he makes all these uh references to being gay, not being gay, his his sexuality, his masculinity. And again, that's where I'm like, there was a uh, advanced conversation in here, but it's it, it's being overshadowed by all of the bravado and ignorance of the 90s. It really is like overshadowing this little gem of like, oh, wow, this is actually kind of cool what's happening, right? But anyway, from there, from the pageant, after some sexual tension, we cut to Jen and Joey at Jen's house, I believe, and she's teaching Joey. Uh, here we go with the montage of the thing. It's not a whole montage, but... Jen's teaching Joey how to walk with heels on and balance the book on your head. It's like it's like a Princess Diaries. They're really taking the Princess Diary form here, and we're going to polish you up and teach you how to be a lady. And you know she's reluctant. I just want to, and I don't even know what what it is that Joey does that isn't girly. I know that she doesn't like to do the nail paints and everything like that. But it's not like we've seen Joey playing basketball or fishing or something where you go, oh, Joey would rather be doing this. She'd rather just be. Snarkily looking and side eyeing people having a good time because that's the only sport she contributes to. Uh, she the only that's the only sport she participates in is being annoyed at other people having a good time. I've never seen her do like you know typical quote unquote boy stuff. So I don't even think she's a tomboy. She just is anti. She just doesn't want to be a part of society. <laughs> Meanwhile, they're uh, they're juxtaposing what's happening with Joey to what's happening with Pacey, and we cut to. Pacey singing Fly Me to the Moon. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. He's singing. All those crooning songs sound the same to me. Start spreading the news. He's singing Don't st he's singing uh Start Spreading the News to Mitch and Dawson. And also I'm gonna jump back into you know uh my friend Paul from uh that age, the That Age Well podcast. He he wanted to make sure that I, I uh pointed out that during this scene, there is like a uh fireplace. You know how people have um taxidermy bulls or taxidermy moose heads or taxidermy fish hanging up over their fireplace. Well, the Learys have uh, <laughs> a woman from Beerfests, the German, <laughs> the German festival or some kind of Dutch woman, I think is what Paul described her as, some kind of a Dutch woman is 
behind him, hanging from the wall while he's singing, starts spreading the news. Um, and he wanted to remark that he, he's like, this definitely is at the Leary's house because he feels like this is not something Grams would allow in her house because it's witchcraft. And I would agree. It definitely is incredibly creepy. I don't know if it was hanging over the fireplace, but it just was this, it was this half of a woman's body on the wall. And I'm like, where, what is this? It's almost like, uh, some twisted version of, if you took a still from the scene, it's like this twisted version of cracker barrel motif there's like old pots on the ledge and a clock i think and a paddle from a boat like things just hanging from the wall and then like miss bo peep but like just like just her breasts and her neck and her head and a bow on her head and then like that's it but kept perfectly preserved like in that movie jeepers creepers from there, we pop back on over to Jen's house, and her and Joey are staring out of the window longingly, pretending like they both aren't infatuated for, with Dawson for some reason. They've 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 kind of struck in this this truce with each other because the wedge is over. Jen's not dating Dawson anymore, so Joey can date Dawson if she wants, and her and Jen can be friends. It's how Jen proposed it to Joey. But here we are looking out of the window longingly. Joey's asking Jen about what she thinks about Dawson. Jen's asking the same. There's music playing. And it just is like a, it's a foreshadowing to what we see towards the end of the episode. And I'm kind of, not kind of, I'm very disappointed in Jen in this episode, honestly. But I guess I can't really be disappointed in Jen. I'm disappointed in the writing. But I'm disappointed in the way the last 15 minutes of this show went all around. The last 15 minutes of this episode, all around it was like M. Night Shyamalan twist. Everything you thought would happen didn't happen, but in the worst way. Like it did it didn't happen, but it doesn't make sense that it didn't happen. And it's annoying that it didn't happen. And it all just felt like it was to uh prolong things, uh, prolong storylines for one, which I understand. I'm not can't I can't be mad at that. But some of the stuff just felt like, oh, this is what people think is gonna happen, so we're gonna do this, and it's gonna catch everybody off guard. And sometimes that works, but most of the time. It's annoying and it's bad. And in uh, most of this, uh, the plot wrap ups at the end of this episode in that last 15 minutes, the way they wrap things up, a lot of the way they wrap things up was just annoying and like stupid and I didn't like it. Meanwhile, like I said, there's a lot of juxtaposing happening. So, you know, uh, while Jen and Joey are having a talk about Dawson, Dawson and Pacey are having a talk about Joey and, you know, Pacey's you know, finally just digging into Dawson and being like, listen, listen, man, you're, you guys are going through some kind of thing. You guys, she's upset with you because of how you treated her and you miss her and you don't like not talking to her. You like her, man. Just say it and do something about it. And Dawson still episode 12, one episode away from the season finale is like, man, what are you talking about, man? You and your crazy Alex Jones conspiracy theories, man. We're just friends. She's like a sister to me. And that S word, man. I don't like when people in these shows where these there's these relationships that start off as friends and they use that word because it gets stuck in my brain. And now when you guys finally do kiss on this show, because it's going to happen at some point, obviously, I can't unhear that, man. I can't unhear that she's like your sister. I can't unhear that, man. So we, these note to show writers now in the future, present, current happenings. Stop using just say just say I don't know what to say. I just don't see her that way or something like that. When you say the S word, it, it takes it to a place where I'm like, I, oh, I can't unsee this, man. And now this is kind of gross to me. 
Because you guys, you know, that's, you know, whatever. And I could be proven wrong. Maybe uh, James Vanderbeek and Katie Holmes have a chemistry that's like nothing you've ever seen before. Like Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie in uh, that movie where they're married. Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Yeah, that one. Maybe their chemistry's like that. When they finally hook up in this show, you're like, wow, I could never see them as siblings. But when you say that, it's hard for me to move on from it. So anyway, I believe it's 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 either competition day or the day before competition day. And what they're having is these Dawson is hosting these one on one interviews with the beauty pageant contestants. And this is where shit gets crazy. I'm not even going to play the clip of what the girl says that's offensive. But again, I guess for 1998, it, it wasn't offensive. But uh, one of the girls says the R word. Absolutely crazy. It's like, you know, red alert <laughs> on the play. And um, there's other uh, conversations that are being had, other interviews that are taking place, some interesting ones. During the process of these interviews, Joey and Jen arrive. Joey is dumbfounded that Dawson is doing the interviews because they're on bad terms. She just doesn't really want to sit in front of him and talk to him, especially having anything to do with this pageant because of the way he made her feel about being in the pageant in the first place. So I think not only is she mad at him, but she also self-conscious and embarrassed that she is... I don't think it's compromising who she is to be in this pageant, but she does feel that way. And I think that Dawson is kind of for her, for some reason, even though he doesn't give a shit about anything that she ever says to her, I think she treats Dawson like a mirror. And when, you know, when she's in, when she's face to face with him, she sees the disingenuous nature of what she's doing but I don't think that's what it is. But that's what she thinks it is. And so I think that's also a reason she doesn't want to sit in front of Dawson while he's hosting the pageant interviews where she has to, like, answer pageant questions. But anyway, she reluctantly does. She sits down and they have some, you know, of course, classic Dawson's Creek repartee and back and forths on some interesting questions. And she delivers. Oh, this was just, oh, man, chef's kiss. Um, I myself personally... I'm like a, I'm like 60% nihilist and she delivers one of the most nihilistic monologues I've ever heard. It was just, oh, it was just beautiful. It was beautifully dark and empty and devoid of any kind of hope. Life goes on, Dawson. Things change. They don't have to. Yes, they do. Everything changes eventually. And that's just the way life is and you have no control over it. Like suddenly people who you think are always going to be there, they disappear, you know? People die and they move away and they grow up. Everything changes eventually, Dawson. We all die, we return back to the earth, the worms eat our bodies and we become food for Gaia once again. And you're like, oh my God, Jesus, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And this is what she does instead of being a tomboy. I don't know what Joey is. I think a tomboy is a horrible description for what Joey is. Joey's like basically a goth or something, uh, you know, in that realm. Like she's something different than a tomboy. She is the nihilistic fucking Daria. Just, just a different thing than a tomboy. <laughs> and I love it. I love it. And this is one of those moments where I go, oh, that's why I like her because her... Her anti-societiness is, it's a, it's a weird maturity. It's like the most mature because she's so mature that she's, she's like, not only is, not just high school, because that's Daria. 
not only is high school pointless, all of this shit is pointless. You know what I mean? Like that's why I love that's why I love her in those moments where she's being snoot not snooty, where she's being snarky and sarcastic because it's not just that, oh man, the captain of the football team, you like the cheerleader. She's not just anti that. She's anti like Oh, you want to go to a party on a Friday night and have fun and get drunk and, you know, oh, kiss somebody. Oh, give me a break. We all die eventually. You're like, oh, God. My queen. Before we get to the Miss Windjammer pageant, I also wanted to make a quick remark because I had already talked about the sexual tension. We find out in this scene, the the pre-interview before the beauty pageant scene, that, uh, that Pacey and Hannah were supposed to, have a date or something? You know, all the sexual attention really could not be good for your complexion. Let's say you and I go backstage to do a little something Please, about it, I huh? just ate. Peace court. You already had your chance, didn't you? Yeah, I already turned you down once in the sixth grade. Actually, you stood me up. I, whatever. Pacey, let me ask you something. Do you really think in a million years you could ever win this thing? <laughs> I mean, what is the point? Well, maybe I don't have a chance at winning. But if I could take just one vote away from you and make you know what it feels like to be a loser, then this is all worthwhile. I feel like there was a kiss film for this episode. I feel like there was an explanation from Hannah, maybe, where she goes, the reason I stood you up was because of this. I feel like those things maybe happened and were filmed and then got cut. That's what I feel. I, I have no proof or anything like that. But that's just this 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 relationship within this episode felt unfinished also hannah's kind of racist so it was weird that we are like oh you know let's she's actually she's fine she's just it's just because she's self-conscious right um but again all of it is everything all the things that make you cringe in this episode i think for 1998 were just fine you know what i mean like i think that the r word thing and what all of the the gay jokes and the coming out of the closet all these remarks were passable. There were probably crazier things being said at the time. Not even probably. There were definitely being crazy things said at the time. So I feel like even in a way, this might have even been like uh, progressive that these jokes were made in this context and not in like a a hateful way, if that makes sense. I, I'm trying to, um, I don't know. I don't really know what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is it's not like uh, maybe on Married with Children, the gay jokes are like, whoa too far right and this is more like hey man pacey's almost in every scene he's he's almost where he does do a a gay reference or whatever he's not he's like i'm not gay i like women but if you are gay then that's cool and that's different than being like gay is gross right you know what i mean if that makes sense so i'm like i keep trying to give the show credit where i'm like this feels progressive and and like it's doing something that wasn't being done for the time but then you fast forward to now, 20 years later, and you're like, oh, no, this is fucking, oh, this is terrible. So we're the, the Miss Windjammer pageant has now begun. Joey's getting her makeup done, and she's talking about, you know, how, again, how self-conscious she is, and everybody's going to laugh at her. I look like a dweeb. No, you don't. Everyone's going to laugh at me. Oh, look, I want you to put this Vaseline on your teeth for me, okay? Why? Just trust me, all right? It keeps your lips from sticking to your teeth when you smile. Wait a second, I have to smile? I never said anything about smiling. 
They treat Joey in this episode like Encino Man. I don't know if anybody's seen Encino Man with Brendan Fraser and Polly Shore, where he's a caveman and he's now in California, 1993, buddy. And this is these are Cheetos and these are rollerblades and like this is how we live now. And she is, she's Encino Man. She's like, smile. I have to show my teeth at this pageant where you wear makeup and dresses. I didn't know I had to do all of that. Like, it, everything's such a foreign concept to her. High heels, smiling, makeup, walking. Like, everything is just, like, so unfathomable to her. Like, she's never existed as a person. And I guess maybe she hasn't. Because this is kind of really the first time we've seen Joey really come out of her shell and be the center of attention and have the spotlight on her. And she was amazing at it. I loved the, the, from this point forward, what I'm talking about, from the pageant has now started, from this point forward, Joey has been, she was absolutely transcendent on this night, and I have nothing negative to say about her. From that scene, like I said, they've been juxtapositioning uh, Jen and Joey's relationship with Dawson and Pacey's relationship for the whole episode. So now Dawson goes and does the same thing that Jen did to Joey, to Pacey and he tells him hey man you're up at this point and this that and the third and da 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 and also my mom told me to put told me to tell you to put this Vaseline on your teeth and he's like why and then then Dawson's like I don't know man I'm a guy guys don't do stuff like this am I right and so that's supposed to be funny anyway before Dawson walks out Pacey asks Dawson if he thinks that he's an idiot for entering this contest and Dawson says man (laughs) actually you know what? This is my line of the creek. Pacey asks Dawson if he thinks he's an idiot for joining this contest. Dawson tells Pacey, man... Dawson, do you think I'm a complete tool for doing this? Since when did you start concerning yourself with public opinion? Pacey, I think you got testicles of steel for doing this. Hearing the word testicles come out of a teenage boy's mouth to another teenage boy's face, it's so clinical and medical that it actually made my testicles go up further into my body it was so weird like just say balls man you can just say balls because somebody else says balls later in the show so balls is on the table did they only get one balls maybe maybe the fcc said you guys only get one balls i think they should have used the balls in this scene and then let hannah say testicles to pacey at the end of the episode when she says ballsy she could have said testiclesy because testicles of steel sounds insane The contestants start being brought out in their evening wear and everybody's coming out and then, you know, everybody looks great. They're all beautiful, beautiful girls. But then out comes Joey and Dawson is gobsmacked. He moves the cameraman out of the way. He's like, I need to see this behind a lens because that's how I truly see the world. I can't really truly see the world properly and really be able to judge if something is beautiful to me unless it's behind the eye of a lens. So he gets behind the eye of a lens and he goes, oh, my God. She's leading Lady Beautiful. I can't believe what Jen was able to accomplish with some makeup from Claire's and a dress from the fashion bug or wherever they got this dress from. You know, like they didn't do anything. They didn't do anything to Joey. She looks beautiful, but she looks the same. She just has makeup on. That's the only thing. they They act like she had on the man in the iron mask mask and then then they took it off. That's how Dawson's looking at her at at this beauty pageant for the rest of the episode. He acts like she's had some kind of device on her face and he's never truly seen what her face looks like until tonight. While Joey is soaking up all this affection from the crowd and from Dawson, I don't think she knows, 
Maybe she glanced over at him and saw that he was his fucking. He had to like wind his tongue back up in his mouth like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. But she, while she's you know soaking up this moment, they cut over to Jen. Jen sees that Dawson is absolutely infatuated with her. Pacey walks up, calls Jen out on it. Could it be Cinderella's fairy godmother did a job a little too well? Thank you, Miss Potter. It looks like Prince Charming's found the owner of that glass slipper. If you have a point, I wish you'd get to it. Uh, come on, Jen. I mean, it's pretty obvious that you're missing the undivided attention of our friend Dawson. Maybe feeling a little dumpy's remorse? You're way off, all right? Tell me, is it the possibility of losing him to somebody else that suddenly makes him seem so attractive? You really think that I'm that shallow, huh? No. I think you're that human. Again, shout out to Pacey, man. He's killing it. I thought that was awesome that he called her out, but, like, wasn't trying to be an asshole about it, but just called her out saying, like, hey, you're a human being. I know you, you know, these feelings, it's life, man. Jealousy, wanting something that you can't have, whatever. I get that. I I love that. And then from there... He walks out onto the stage, and as I've already said earlier in the episode, he looks like goddamn George Clooney, man. He's making jokes. He's, you know, blowing kisses. He's spinning, twirling. His suit looks like it fits him great for the 90s. It's still a big suit, but it fits him It fits him good. He doesn't look like an asshole. Uh, you know, he's got the shaggy George Clooney haircut, and like I said, he looks like George. He looks like a young George Clooney. And he, surprisingly, the crowd is into it. I thought for every moment Pacey was going to come out on stage. Like I said, I was very wrong about the tone of this whole thing. I was under the impression that everybody was going to like be quiet not or boo every time Pacey walked on the stage. But from Jump Street, from immediately into things, they all they were all kind of like, "Oh, this guy's kind of charming. I don't want to I don't want to like him, but I do." And that's for the whole night. He's having he's killing it. Pacey's doing wonderfully. Now comes my favorite moment of the night. And the reason I haven't, I didn't take much time to do um, songs of the creek and things like that because there's only one song that matters in this episode. And I think you all know what my song of the creek is going to be, which I will get to it. But there are some great music in this. You know, like I said, as I said earlier, um, Raylene pointed out that Eve Six is in this uh, um, in the beginning. And uh, I think I heard some Green Day. There's some great songs. But now we're at the talent portion. And we breezed through some of the talents. There's girls doing monologues, girls doing gymnastics. There's all kinds of things happening, right? Now, this is actually where things get a little confusing for me. So I'm going to go ahead and for the first and maybe only time, maybe not. Let's not say only because there's still a lot of time left. But this is where things get a little bit creak logic. So the talent, there's a there's a montage of talents happening. And then they cut to Pacey, who's, you know, answering a question from one of the judges things just get out of order like Pacey's doing some kind of joke or answering he's doing his interview of like how would you end world peace he's doing that in in the same space of girls doing the talent contest now he's killing with the jokes and everything he's doing a fantastic job he actually goes over to Mrs. Leary and asks her how he's doing but she tells him the real when she says hey listen like you're doing great but like there's not a fucking chance in hell you're gonna win this how am I doing, Mrs. Larry? I gotta tell you, you are funny. You're charming. The audience loves you. Seriously? You may not have a snowball's chance in hell of winning, but uh, you're definitely keeping me from falling asleep. What, I'm not even in the running? Pacey, you know this club would rather see the whole place go down in flames before they would actually crown a male Miss Windjam. Yeah, but for me to be written off is just completely unfair. Honey, fair... And beauty pageants aren't exactly synonymous. 
and and this is again, this is where I felt like the the wokeness and the 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 progressive stuff came in because what he said was, you know, basically to to the effect after she tells him this, he goes, "Wait, so you're telling me I'm doing great, but they still won't pick me? That's not fair. That's not fair. I came here, they let me in the competition." I'm doing great. You're telling me that I'm a front runner and I'm doing great and I'm in the top three and all of these things, but they're not going to vote for me because of these gender norms and societal stick stigmas and whatever, you know, that whole thing. There's like something here, but then they call people the R word and he makes jokes about coming out of the closet and it overshadows something that's happening. And I don't know what, I don't even know if it is progressive or woke or any of those things, but it just feels like there's something happening that, is progressive for the for 1998 and it's being overshadowed by the jokes that they're trying to get off but anyway i move forward right so you know uh, pacey gets that news he's dejected he's devastated he can't believe it like he's watching the five thousand dollars slip through his fingers even though he's absolutely charming the pants off this entire audience right now we get to the magic moment it's now we're now back to talent again i don't so i don't know what pacey was doing because his talent comes back in the play. The timing was just weird. Again, Creek logic. We cut to the back room. Uh, Jen is, is, is pep talking Joey before she goes out onto the stage where she's singing a song from the musical Les Mis on my own, which is my song of the Creek. Um, this was, I don't know who out there has seen Step Brothers. I thought this was an interesting choice for the director, right? I think they recorded Katie Holmes singing this song live. Like she did an actual recording. I don't know if that's in the scene, if that's, she might, I think, I think, I could be wrong. I think in that scene, Katie Holmes is lip syncing her own song. And I could be wrong again. I just think this because they actually use it later on in the show, but it could have just been the audio from the scene. So either way, anyway, anyway, she's singing. Katie Holmes, sweetheart, girl next door, great. This was one of the worst uh, performances I've ever seen, and it murders. It murders. It's like Step Brothers. It's like when when Brennan Huff sings that uh, concerto or whatever he sings that like uh, Italian opera song, and the glasses break and everyone's in awe and the world shakes and it, it, it like revolutionizes music. She's up there singing Two octaves too high That's also a note from Paul Paul's like they couldn't have pitched this down a note You know they couldn't have taken this a key down to, So she could have a chance of singing the song I mean it's so Oh like flat But high But sharp Oh man it's, it's, it's awful Right but I love that um, It's shot Like it's captivating the way they shoot this scene is like what you're watching is blowing your mind. Like it's like they're trying to gaslight you while you're watching it. The angles they use, they cut to, you know, Dawson's face, Jen's face, the crowd's face, and everyone's like silent and in awe. And she's doing all these little shy faces like, oh, my God, am I killing? I don't even know if I am. I didn't even know. Do you guys like these notes? And re realistically, it's like, no, you shouldn't like these notes because this sounds really bad. But... 
Katie Holmes is murdering with this song from Les Mis. And she gets a standing ovation. Dawson is now fully in love with her. You know, he's definitely boned up in his jeans or his khakis, sorry. He's definitely boned up in his khakis. Can't believe she looks like this. He's never seen her look this beautiful ever a day in his life. He didn't even know she was capable of looking like this. And um, the light, the house lights come up. She finishes strong with a, a really sharp note that isn't good. And everyone is in disbelief and is full, a full house of applause. And it's amazing, and that's why it's my song of the creek. I just couldn't believe that they didn't have somebody else record the song or something. Have somebody else sing it and then just, hey, Katie, just move your lips the best you can. They had her actually sing, and I, I thought it was an interesting directorial choice. Also, the song choice was very interesting as well because I think that there's other songs out there that send the message that you know i love somebody that doesn't love me back which was the message of the, of the song i think there's other songs out there that send that message that aren't so obscure right but maybe this is one that they knew they could get cleared or maybe that you know we got some les mis fans that are on in in the writing room you know or something i don't know but from this scene joey walks off round of applause dawson goes in to get pacey because like i said now it's his turn to do his talent creek logic so I don't know why they I guess they wanted to lump in they wanted Pacey to be included in that montage of talents but just didn't want to reveal what because because what he does is actually a big part of the scene so Dawson goes to get Pacey because he's supposed to do a magic trick and Pacey has now decided after talking to Mrs. Leary oh they're not gonna be fair so fuck this I'm gonna make a stand and you know um this whole thing has kind of been a stand but now I'm really gonna take a stand against this whole pageant and he goes out there and does something pretty impressive well I'm not William Wallace but I am Pacey Witter Pacey Witter's seven feet tall so they say so they say and they say that this Pacey Witter is a dangerous man who slaughters Capeside residents by the dozens with jokes and buffoonery. And if he were here, he would destroy those who would judge him with sparks from his eyes and wit from his ass. <laughs> well, I am Pacey Witter. But who of you are in the position to judge me? Is it you, sir? And what sort of human being tolerates being judged? Well, judgment stops today, because that which scorns me deems to own me. And I am willing to trade the trappings of my dysfunctional life for one chance, just one chance to stand in front of my fellow countrymen and tell them that you may take my life, but you will never take my freedom! Thank you and good night. That's right, folks. Pacey goes out and does the monologue from Braveheart as William Wallace with paint on his face. And I will give the I will give the show credit once again. This was another opportunity for them to play on an old joke, right? I was expecting because when they first cut to him, it looks like he's wearing an, a, a a backless, shoulderless gown, right? So I was like, oh, he's he's like he's protesting by wearing women's clothes, okay? But he's just wearing a vest, right? I then thought because they only showed his top half. I then thought he's wearing an Irish kilt, which kind of looks like a dress. And he's saying, sending a message with that. No, neither of those things. So again, I thought this show, the, 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 the premise and the storyline of this show could have fallen into a lot of cheesy old played out tropes. And it didn't in a lot of ways. 
There were a lot of things that were said in this episode that, you know, are not cool, but a lot of stuff that they could have done for easy, cheap laughs for the time wasn't done, and I appreciate that. Uh, Pacey then walks off the stage, and we cut to Joey, who's still riding high off of her singing her great song, On My Own, from Les Mis, where she runs into Hannah, who is wearing a very ugly dress, uh, like a long-sleeved, it's crazy looking. She's wearing a very ugly dress, and she's talking shit to one of the other pageant contestants about how Joey, if she was to win this whole thing, it'd be a pity win. She's a loser. She's poor. Her parents are dead and the drug dealers, and she lives in a trailer, and her uh, sister just had a baby with a black guy. And you're like, oh, what a bitch, right? Me, so, so while this is happening, she's outside the door hearing all this stuff, having her confidence ripped away, all this confidence she's built up over the night. Dawson sees this take place. He now intercedes when she's about to, I guess, leave. It seemed like she's about to leave the contest. Dawson stops her and he lets her know, hey, hey, you are not quitting this. I, I might as well have just sold myself on a street corner. Do you realize you could win this thing? Why do you think they're slamming you? They're terrified of you. They know that you can beat them. I don't want their money, Dawson. I don't want anything from these people. It I makes don't think it's about sick. the money anymore. Joey, I know we're not speaking right now, okay? But if we were, I would tell my best friend, who is always too afraid to get up in front of class for show and tell, how incredibly proud I am of her. And how I think she has got more guts and talent and strength of character than all the Hannah Von Wennings of the world put together. He's talking to her in ways I've never heard him speak to her before, and they're supposed to have been best friends since they were four. I don't know if I've ever seen Dawson look her in the eyes for as long as he has in this scene where he's trying to get her to not quit the beauty pageant. And me, because I'm, you know, I'm pessimistic and I don't like Dawson, to me it screams, no, 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 I want to see you look good some more. I want, you to, I want to see you keep doing stuff. And I want you to win the whole thing because I think you look great. It's like, I think he likes seeing her. That's that's what it felt like to me. He's like, oh my God, like, no, no, no. I've never seen you like this before. You can win this whole thing. I'm I'm so impressed by you. I want to see you do more stuff, you know? And, and that's how it felt to me. I, I understand that they're friends and, you know, he wants to encourage her and things like that, but I just have never seen this from him before. And if I have, it's been rare. I've never seen him speak to her with this much faith and confidence and caring about what she wants to do and scholarship and money and all those things. So it was uh, it was a foreign concept to me. So I thought the worst of him. Anyway, uh, uh, he convinces Joey to stay in the contest. And now she is doing what what Pacey was doing 15 minutes ago, which is answering these questions about, you know, world peace and these things. Dawson slides up next to Hannah, who's watching Joey from the sideline. And they ask what you would uh, what you would want future kids to know about, you know, how you see the world. And she gives a beautiful answer. It's like it's got some jabs in there at Hannah. And it's just as a really poignant, um, beautiful statement that she makes. Please tell us what words of advice you would bestow upon today's youth. I'd like to tell today's youth that uh, no matter where life takes you, Big cities, small towns, you'll inevitably come across small minds. People who think that they're better than you are. People who think that material things or being pretty or popular automatically makes you a worthwhile human being. I'd like to tell today's youth that none of these things matter unless you have a strength of character 
integrity, a sense of pride. And if you're lucky enough to have any of these things, don't ever sell them. Don't ever sell out. So when you meet a person for the first time, please don't judge them by their station in life. Because who knows? That person just might end up being your best friend. And now the moment has arrived where we're going to announce the winners of the contest. Everyone's gathered around. Uh, first runner-up is this girl, Hannah, this rich girl. She wins. I'm sorry. Second runner-up is this girl, Hannah. She wins whatever she wins. First runner-up. Now, let me give full disclosure. I thought Joey was going to win the beauty pageant. Spoiler alert. I don't know. How could you watch this episode and not think Joey's going to win the whole thing, right? So I thought Joey was going to win the whole thing. Hannah gets announced as second runner-up, so I'm like, oh, my God, this is sick, right? She's going to win win the uh, win the whole thing. I thought Pacey was going to win first runner-up. So then they announced first runner-up, Joey Potter, you win a day of beauty. So I go, wow, shit, she lost. Okay, well, that's very anticlimactic. But that means Pacey's going to win now. So Joey come forward, comes forward. She accepts her prize of a day of beauty or whatever. And I'm like, okay, wow, this is crazy. I didn't see this coming, but Pacey's going to win. The drum roll's happening. You know, the announcer is about to announce the winner. And she announces that the winner of the competition is... Miss Roberta Crump. <laughs> Roberta fucking Crump. First of all, who the fuck is Roberta fucking Crump, man? Miss Windjammer, Roberta Crump in all of the... She hasn't gotten any spotlight. First of all, they put the tiara on her fucking sideways. I think that was one of Raylene's comments and you know about the thing uh, that she sent me in her email. It was like, why? They put the, they put, they put the tiara on her sideways? What the hell is this? Um, they put the TR on her sideways. Throughout the entire episode, uh, she did an interview. She talked about how she was joining the Peace Corps. Uh, she played the piano. But who the fuck is Roberta Crump? Not Pacey or Joey win the $5,000, two of the main characters in the episode. I just thought it was such a weird, you know what I mean? Like, that's what I mean about the M. Night Shyamalan twist. I feel like they thought they were doing some really cool, like, oh, red herring. You think it's going to be Joey. But it's not. We're going to make it Roberta fucking Crump. I just couldn't believe it, man. I was really thrown off by that, and I, I still don't understand that choice. But whatever. Uh, from there, the, the, the contest is now over. Uh, Mrs. Leary walks Dawson down a dock to, to Joey, where he is just, again, in awe of this girl. He's never looked at her this way. Jen walks into frame and is jealously, she's just, she's like, she's been jealous the whole episode and it was her idea to be friends with Joey and get her to do this competition. And she just immediately betrays her friendship by wanting to be back with Dawson again when she knows how Joey feels. It was really like, wow, it's really disappointing, Jen. But again, Pacey brought up a good point. It's like, oh, she's human. Okay. She wants something that she feels like she's losing or something like that. Right. So Dawson takes his coat off. He's being a real gentleman. He puts the coat around, puts his blazer around Joey. Probably smells like um, hot bod. I want your bod. That he looks like he looks like he wore that. That was like the axe effect before axe effect. Bod man, I think it was called. Bod man, 
body spray. I'm sure that blazer's drenched in that shit. And Dawson basically starts confessing how he's feeling, and these are different feelings, and I've never felt this way before about you. It's it's weird, it's strange, but I think we should live in this. We should live in this moment, explore this. And while all this is happening, Joey has this kind of bittersweet smile on her face because it's not her. And there was something I appreciated about that, where it's like, you like me today because I have on this makeup, and again... Guys, she looks exactly the fucking same. But I st- I understand what she's saying. She's saying, when I wake up tomorrow, I'm going to be Joey, the snarky, not smiling, lipstick, Vaseline on my teeth. I'm going to be me. So I cannot capitulate and I don't want to put myself out there and make myself vulnerable to you when you see me like this. And I, you've seen me every day since we were four years old. And now all of a sudden these feelings are coming out of nowhere and that makes me uneasy because I've been here the whole time. I've been here this entire time in front of you. I'm just a girl standing in front of a guy, you know, that whole thing. And he's like, you know, what? No, what are you talking about? Don't reject me. I'm Dawson. This is what you want. That's what he says. That makes me so, uh, it was disgusting. I didn't like that. He said that. He's like, I thought this is what you wanted. Like, no, no. Is it what you want? Is this what you want, man? So she tells him off very beautifully. I really enjoyed her telling him off. It was very poetic. Tomorrow I'm going to wake up and I'm going to be Joey. Just Joey. You know, the two-talk girl from the wrong side of the creek. But Joe, this is all new to us and we should talk about it, okay? Because we, no matter what happens, we can't go back to the way things were. Dawson, you've had a lifetime to process your feelings for me. And I can't spend the rest of mine hoping that you might throw a general glance in my direction in between your tortured teen romances with whatever genuinely rolls into your life next. I can't do it. Joey, don't walk away from this. She gives him his Bodman fragrance spray blazer back. Also, by the way, when she gives it back to him, she has now taken out her hair clip, updo clip, and she looks beautiful. There's no better way to reject somebody than when you look like a bad bitch. I mean, absolutely face beat to the gods. Katie Holmes looks beautiful in this frame where she's taking off the blazer to give it back to Dawson to get rejected by this girl that you laughed at earlier in the episode for like being a boy or whatever thing you're like, you could never be this. And to look like that in that moment, which again, she doesn't look different, but she just, she looks like a beauty pageant queen, something that he laughed at her for even like contemplating, even giving a try. And she looks absolutely gorgeous and was robbed, should have won the whole thing and rejects him. I thought there was something so poetic about that, you know? And I don't know where this, you know, I'm interested to see the next episode because I don't know where this puts their friendship because now all the cards are on the table and it's a weird limbo. Like they can't go back to being friends now after that conversation. So I assume they're going to take the next step. Anyway, she leaves him at the dock of the bay, walks away. And now we get uh, the post beauty pageant uh, Pacey talking to Hannah, where we now get to humanize Hannah and we find out, oh, Hannah's home life isn't the best boarding school isn't all it's cracked up to be my family doesn't like me and that's why i'm kind of a racist and absolutely 100 percent a bitch so 
you know, they kind of, you know, again, they humanize her. They have some laughs. And I think there was more left out of this scene than they filmed. I really do. I feel like either they kissed. She told him why they she stood him up in the sixth grade or something. I, I feel like that happened, but I have no proof of that. Right. But it was an interesting moment to humanize this girl who had a very unbecoming moment where she's like shitting on this girl at the beauty pageant behind her back. From that scene, after uh, Pacey and Hannah have some laughs, we cut to Dawson, who is now home. And this was, for me, the most egregious scene of the episode, right? Um, I've done, this is, we're 12 episodes in. Dawson has done nothing for this entire season of this show, but slut shame Jen, ruin her prospects of meeting new people, made her feel bad about her past, uh, just been an all-around terrible person. And in this scene... He gets vindication from the breakup scene from, uh, what was that, episode nine, episode eight? Uh, whatever episode where they had the beach party and Billy was in town and she breaks up with Dawson and she goes, you know, I'm going to come back to you some point. I'm going to say, hey, I want to try this again. And you're going to tell me that, you know, you blew it and I never had it. He, he was right. She vindicates him. She comes to his house crying begging him to take her back. And she even gaslights herself in the scene by saying like, I don't even know why I broke up with you in the first place. Or like, you know, you're such a great, awesome guy. I'm so lucky to have had you and I've made a mistake and now I want you back. And he gets to reject her and send her on her way. And it undid so many things where so many times in the show, I went, good for you, Jen. Fuck this guy. This guy's a piece of shit. He doesn't know what it's like to be a decent person. And you should go out and be fucking date Scott Foley, man. Look at that jawline. All of these things that I said were burned. She, she, she like burned herself in effigy. She put herself on the pyre and sacrificed herself in front of this fucking leery Creekside fucking Victorian old style house postmodern bullshit house with a fucking screened in porch and you go over there to his house and embarrass yourself like that i just thought it was like such bad writing i thought that was such a weird betrayal of joey to let him to let her go over there and grovel for this guy and he's like oh no i know what i want now and then they do this juxtaposition again of uh, you know, Dawson's on his porch and Joey's in her bedroom and they're, it's like they're both thinking the same thing. Even though she rejected him, he smiles. She smiles at herself in the mirror. I also couldn't tell. Here's what I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell if she was smiling at the thought that Dawson likes her or she was smiling at the victory of the night. And I like to think she was smiling at the victory of the night. But because they juxtaposed it to Dawson sitting on the porch smiling, I thought they were thinking about each other. But I prefer to think because she puts her hair up. She puts her hair up in a, a ponytail for people who don't remember. She puts her hair up in a she like she like grabs all her hair and puts it up in an updo like she had. And then she's looking at her neck and she's like, man, my neck is long, but like in a model-esque way. That's what it looked like. And she smiles. And meanwhile, Dawson's smiling. Now, here, here's the two scenarios. That, and, and I refuse to think that it's anything other than these two scenarios. Either they're both thinking about each other or... Joey, like a reasonable person who had a beautiful night, probably one of the most like powerful moments of her life up to this point because she leads a very pedestrian life. She's basking in that and Dawson's basking in that he got to reject the girl who's been rejecting him for the whole season. This intelligent, mature girl from New York City who he's been chasing for the whole season got dumped by 
begged her to come back, invaded one of her dates, got rejected again on a Ferris wheel, had her new boyfriend come over to a seance at his house, all of these things. And now she's on my porch crying, begging, groveling, telling me she made a mistake and that she wants to get back with me. And I just sent her home and told her I had to think about it. That's what I think of Dawson Leary. That's how that's how much of a fucking sociopath I think Dawson Leary is, is that I think that's what he was smiling about. Anyway, they're both smiling. The episode fades to black. Uh, that's the end of episode 12, Beauty Contest. Um, again, this was, you know, this episode, this is one, another one of those building block episodes. There wasn't anything particularly, like, crazy that happened, right? But... It was uh, a lot of setting up building blocks for next season, for the season finale, and I really enjoyed that. Now, before uh, I get to, I'm going to actually play Joey's Choice myself, guys. Wow, for the first time. It feels weird to be on this end by myself. But I actually just wanted to go over a couple of things. I'm going to read both Paul's email and uh, Raylene's email because I just want to get make sure I get their, get their points out. So here's a couple of points that Paul um, wanted to send in. And I, I might not have hit. So will there ever be a sufficient explanation offered for why Jen would ever in a million years want to be friends with Joey? So I think that I think that Paul recognizes that Joey is a very snarky and mean person. And he doesn't really get the get all the hype about that. So, and I, I'm with you, Paul. Uh, oh, I also mentioned during the singing part, uh, he goes, they couldn't drop on my own down a few keys. So Katie Holmes had a shot at hitting even a single one of the high notes. Paul, I would argue that she didn't hit a single of the, any of the notes, and I've never seen Les Mis. I would assume the song doesn't sound like that in the play. And then his, his, last, his last comment was, this whole pageant has a very Ellie Kemper is going to regret this in 20 years feeling about it, and we're supposed to feel bad about the racist at the end, which is, <laughs> which is Hannah. <laughs> so, so, Paul, thank you very much for your commentary. I appreciate it. Thank you for submitting that. You got me through a lot of the tough moments for this scene, uh, for this episode, and I appreciate it. Uh, now we got Raylene. Raylene sent a very uh, 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 fantastic email. There's a lot to read, so I don't want to read all of it, but I just want to get a couple of her points across, which was, uh, for one, Dawson laughs in everyone's face, which I brought up. <laughs> she said, the winner of the pageant is a very pretty but awkward girl you meet once during the interview process. They put the tiara on her crooked, too. What the fuck? <laughs> Not that I'm against her winning. Raylene, I am. And you should be, too. Don't qualify with... Say it with your chest, Raylene. Joey was robbed or Pacey was robbed. One of them should have won. It should have either have been subversive and out of left field or what we saw coming should have won. Joey needed that money and she did better than everybody else. Period. Anyway, she said, I'm not against the the girl winning. We all knew it wasn't going to be uh, Joey or Pacey or Hannah. I didn't know that, Raylene. I, I didn't know that. She said, but her, but give her cre her character some more credit, please. It's like, yeah, I, I would have liked to known who... Uh, who uh roberta bunt is i mean like i she came out of nowhere and then she says uh i'll always save pacey and to paul's point last creek can i push dawson down into the creek to ensure that he's dead and uh one of the the last points that she made which i thought was fantastic also was her calling out dawson's newfound seeing her while his speech is sweet and innocent he is saying while honest all the wrong things and she seems to see right through it which is true he's like i've never seen you this way before i can't believe it you're like a different person i don't know what these feelings are it's like they came out of nowhere which is like okay so they came out of nowhere because of what i'm doing and wearing tonight you know i'm going back to wearing flannels and and and, and acid wash jeans tomorrow and so she turned him the fuck down 
And, oh, yes. And she says, he even says, I thought this is what you wanted. Are you kidding? That's what she says. Are you kidding? Exactly, Raylene. I, I felt the same way, you know. And I also... That part I didn't I didn't mention this when I brought this up a while ago a second ago but also that tells me so are you saying that you know she's liked you this whole time what are you like are you now admitting that you knew the whole time because that's what it feels like it feels like you just admitted that you know she wanted this and now you you feel like you're giving it to her fuck off man yeah she said if you knew what she wanted then why are you only seeing her through the makeup and a fancy dress. She said, I know, Creek Logic. That's right. Creek Logic. Or just Dawson being a complete asshole. I like both. Okay, sorry if this was too long. Thank you for all that you do. Thank you so much. All I'm doing is watching a show on Netflix, but I appreciate that so much. Um, thank you to Raylene. Thank you to Paul. Thank you to anybody who sent me DMs or, or uh, tweets about uh, points or things that they saw, plot holes that they saw. I really appreciate that. It really helped me kind of formulate uh, this solo adventure i hope you guys really enjoyed this but i will proceed and uh get to joey's choice so joey's choice what we'd like to do here joey's choice feels weird saying this to myself i'm in a room by myself saying this uh what we like to do here is joey's choice is we like to joey's choice you can only you have to pick somebody to save between dawson or pacey you can only use the character traits that you learned gleaned and saw in the episode that i just watched which is episode 12 beauty contest right obviously i'm saving pacey i mean is like that even a question i, I mean you know, there there may be episodes at some point where I could see myself picking Dawson. There hasn't been one yet. But let alone this episode where Pacey was absolutely in fuego, does a William a William Wallace monologue. He does magic tricks. He is charming. A little bit problematic with the, with the homosexual jokes and homophobic stuff. A little a little bit, but he is doing this really subversive, gender bending performance which is kind of cool in a way, you know, um, was it for 2021 vision and goggles? Was it handled the best? No, but for 1998, I feel like this was again different. You know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't. And again, I might not be using the right word. I don't know what the word is, but this just doesn't, fe this feels like this, you might not be able to turn on any show and you see these beats with this storyline. The guy is going to, have a dress on have a at some point he's gonna have like a cucumber face mask on with the cucumber eyes and do like a what this actually is nicer than i thought like all of these jokes that you expect none of them happen in this show which was different to me because they're easy jokes to make so i thought it was cool that pacey did this competition and then when he found out it was not only not just not only is it like you know uh uh rigged and unfair because they're they have these um societal and probably financial and class uh uh stigmas and biases and and so not only are they like this is weird and this guy's doing this like gay thing or whatever they're saying all the, the judges whatever they're saying not only is it that because he's overcoming that by being so charming now it's like yeah, yeah you are doing great but like you're not gonna win this like it's not gonna be you so he's like, okay, well, fuck it. I'm going to burn the whole fucking thing down. And I still, for half a second, thought he might win. I thought that was pretty cool. I don't, you know, I'm not Raylene. Raylene has better foresight than me. But um, I I thought Joey or Pacey were gonna, was going to win. I don't, I, don't, I don't know how either of them did it, and it was fucking Roberta Bunt. But shout out to her. Fix your tiara, by the way. Now, um, we've come to the moment in the show. This is also weird for me. Where I'm going to be making my own... Uh, <laughs> 
message in a bottle and tossing it into the creek. Um, this is weird. I don't. Uh, this is this is so. This is actually really trippy for me, and I don't. I I didn't pre-write anything, so I'm just gonna kind of go off the dome and shoot from the hip. What I learned in this episode, episode twelve, a uh, beauty contest is always stun on your exes when they come back and they want a second chance or you know they uh realize something and they want to give it another go you turn them down and you it's it's always okay to decide to like your plan b those are the two things i learned from this episode it, it feels the best. It, it puts a, a, a gleeful smile on your face to reject an ex who wants to come crawling back. And also, it's okay for you to dis, just decide, wake up someday to just bless somebody in, in your life who's been in the friend zone your whole life. It's okay to just decide one day, like, you know what? You are good enough for me. So I'm going to bless you with offering myself to date. That's what I learned from this episode. Uh <laughs> I hope you guys enjoyed this solo ride. Uh, you know, any feedback that you guys have, please feel free to send it my way. I, I had fun, weirdly, talking to myself in a room into a microphone. I did have fun, though. Um, like I said, any any feedback you guys have would be wonderful. I, I can't wait to do the finale in the next couple of weeks. I'm excited for who my guest is going to be for that episode. And I can't wait for you guys to hear who my guest is going to be for that episode. And I can't wait to record that episode because I haven't yet. So I can't wait to record that episode with that person. And I can't wait to take some time away and figure out what we're going to do for season two and all of those things. But genuinely, I cannot state this enough. Thank you guys so much for the support. Any messages, reviews, emails, anything that I get telling people, people have told me this is like their new favorite podcast. Um, it's reinvigorated their love for Dawson's Creek. Anything like that. If I've done that for you in some kind of way, I'm glad that I could take some time to distract you from this crazy, crazy world. And um, you guys, it's the feelings mutual. Thank you so much. And I'll see you guys next week.